are listening to Microspy, a podcast that takes a closer look at the lives and work of musicians and creatives I admire. My name is Eric Rattensperger. In this episode, I speak with Alex Edkins, the guitarist and vocalist of the band Mets, and his new brainchild, Weird Nightmare. Alex and I discuss his music as a coping mechanism, the shift in mindset regarding creative collaboration, and the magical effects music and art can have on humanity. His new project, Weird Nightmare, released its debut full-length on Sub Pop last year. Metz's most recent album, Atlas Vending, also released on Sub Pop, came out in 2020. He's already working on new material for both. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Alex Edkins of Metz and Weird Nightmare. talking about reflecting on the first month of 2023 it's now january 31st crazy that we're a month into the new year already tell me a little bit about how it's been for you um you know it's been good i i feel fortunate to to be able to to staying really really busy with with the things i love you know making as much music as possible and uh and you know, I was trying to make sense of of how I do that and why I do that, and I think it is a bit of a a coping mechanism on my on my side to just have my days full of projects and um, and things and and music and and bands and stuff to to uh, I don't know if it's like sheltering myself from the the, the outside world, but. I also think it might be a little bit of that, you know. I, I can't uh, get too down on things if I'm I'm just like really really focused on on staying positive and then doing the things that I that I love. So, do you know that's a long winded way of saying things are going well. I you know I feel I feel good and I feel fortunate. Well, it sounds like there's a level of full immersion basically. And I was going to ask you this later in the conversation, but I like how we're, we are hitting the ground running here in terms of your relationship with creating. I think it totally makes sense that you're almost defaulting to it as a coping mechanism, especially with how things are now. I mean, it's weird. It's like, I, I don't want to even call it a post-pandemic world. I mean, it's still a fucked up environment and landscape that we're all trying to operate within, right? So it's like, even though, uh, you know, you're playing shows, you've been touring here and there. I mean, I, I was going to ask about how the Weird Nightmare tour went with Archers of Loaf, which was, I think, just a week or two ago, right? Right. How, yeah. I mean, how, how did that feel for you in terms of just getting back out on the road, playing these new songs, playing with a legendary band? Like, like would you say that that might have been one of the highlights of the month? Oh, I mean, for sure. I, I was over the moon when we got offered those shows and because we go we go a ways back with archers and and eric and um because they they put mets on a bunch of their bills like 10 years ago so it's like they're friends and we absolutely look up to them and and love the music they've made and yeah it's funny the the pandemic just ripped away this thing we were so accustomed to doing 
and you're just left with this this void. And then now that we're back, you can so easily just it just feels normal again. It's kind of I mean obviously it's not the same, but you can forget that it happened. Like when you're in that moment and when you're at a show, it's like, oh, here we are. This is, we're doing the thing that, that we love to do and that we've done for, for so long. And I mean, I guess that's a positive thing, but you can get, you know, snapped back into reality pretty quick. I think a lot of the, the press around Weird Nightmare, which is, I guess you can call it a new project. I mean, the record was just released last year on Sub Pop. But I, I've read that this has been kind of a culmination of songs over the years, some dating back back as early as 2013, right? I mean, you're talking about the pandemic, and this is sort of a time when you kind of decided to just put your head down and actually make this thing. Can you tell me about that headspace that you were in when you decided that the pandemic was the time to, to start working on an album like this? Yeah, sure. I mean, it the name of the project... It totally speaks for itself you know it was it was this this feeling of like what the hell's going on and what am I supposed to do you know we're at Mets is a touring band and and now we don't even know if this is going to be possible going forward like at all we were just you know in a state of shock and um I've talked about this before but the the weird nightmare thing was like I, we we rent this Mets rents this space and it's this huge warehouse and it's full of little rooms and they're usually full of bands making all kinds of you know there's a reggae band down the hall there's a metal band down the, down the other way and it's usually this just crazy sound this thing and then I I was the only one going in there and I'd go in there because we were being told to to not leave our house right and I I would I couldn't stay home so I I I'd go at night and and work on this thing and uh it was just the most bizarre end of the world feeling that I've ever experienced just this empty warehouse not a peep and I'm just walking down these corridors being like <laughs> you know like like the last one on earth and um so that that influenced the name but then on then the project couldn't have been you know more different than than the vibe. It was like this thing. I wanted to flip it, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, that's kind of the irony of it. You know, you would think that being in a pandemic or being in the middle of a pandemic and this kind of post-apocalyptic feeling that you're the, the sound of, of anything you create would almost go to a more, uh, you know, aggressive or darker vibe. Whereas weird nightmare it's almost like a light at the end of the tunnel or something, not to sound cheesy, but you know, you put it on and the first few seconds, you kind of just have this feeling of like, all right, let's get up and go. Let's do this. Absolutely. I I wanted to, I wanted to like, I I put a smile on people's faces to be on. Like, I know that that sounds insane. It sounds kind of no, but it's funny because of... it's almost like you had a calling or something, or you're like you're like fuck this. I'm just gonna do this now. Like yeah, we might be in a in a world of unknowns, but it's almost like you double downed on your inclination to to bring this thing to fruition. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and I, it was like I think I needed to make myself feel happy as well. Yeah. But you know, because at the end of the day, I think most people who are making um, music. In, in the way Mets does and, the, and you know, you know, underground music for lack of a better term or like punk music or whatever, you're doing it for yourself. 
and maybe your community, you know, maybe the people you, that can relate and have come up with it in that scene or whatever. Um, so there was still that, but I also just felt the need to not dwell on the negative. I, I, I was just, it, and, and it, it wasn't a lot of thinking that went into it. It was automatic. It was just like instinctual and kind of happened. And I did not fight it. I've, I've absolutely in the past fight fought off some of my, uh, inclinations. And this time I was like, nope. I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to I'm just going to follow it and uh, I'm really glad I did. It was just like this set of circumstances that led me that way and uh you know, here we are. Listen to a record like this that basically was inspired to bring to light through a pandemic which is probably like you know the darkest times that we've been living in you know just as humanity you know I mean at least in our time it's just I think it really put a damper on a lot of people's inclination to create I think uh, people's trajectories were obviously hugely altered I mean I started this podcast in I think yeah in 2019 and I had done, I think, about 11 episodes before the pandemic came about, and I just lost all motivation to do anything, really. I mean, that initial shock of of the shutdowns and the unknowns and just the, the constant updates of this the governments and, like, just reading the news about just how this thing was just spreading worldwide. And as a musician, as an artist... I mean, I can only imagine how many other people were affected in terms of what kind of headspace they were in before it came about, and then how people had to adapt in those moments of unknowns, right? So, I think it was kind of cool uh, where I, you're kind of, you kind of you paint a really you know vivid picture of like walking down the corridors where there's just no one around, but you have these this group of songs that you just felt like you needed to bring to life that's kind of a cool thing in terms of what this time and era that we're in has kind of spawned like like this completely new and fresh feeling thing i mean how did the headspace differ besides doing this during a pandemic um and that's what i was about to say earlier you know in terms of all the press and all the interviews that i've read you know how it's been kind of framed as this album that's been made during a pandemic and what was the headspace and how did it differ from your writing modes when you're doing work with Mets? Well, it's funny. It's it's similar. The, the The approach is similar. It's like I'll sit down and with a drum machine or something and just get going. Just start recording until some you, you fluke on something that you like, but. For this one, there was a little bit more of more of this. Like there's no there's no expectations. There's no there's no one that I need to show it to, 
or, uh, or work with. It was like this no rules thing. And it was a, it was a freeing feeling and it was, you know, I didn't know if anyone would ever hear it. So it, like I said, at the very (laughs) beginning, it was this idea of, well, I might as well do something. Um, that being said, I was just like everyone else. Like at the beginning, I was, you know, kicking back and watching too much TV and, uh, and, and trying to, and, and kind of like, you know, well, this won't last forever. There's no way. And then, and then when we settled into like, I don't know what month it was, and I was like, okay, I, I need to do something. And, um, and we had just, this is the thing, right? We had just finished Atlas Vending. And so I don't know about you and I don't know about other people, but after you do a huge project like that, and that was like something that we were immensely proud of and like felt like that was the best thing we could have made at the time. Um, you need, you need like a breather. Like I, I was incapable at that time of jumping back in and trying to write more Mets material. Like it, you just need that space. And um, so it couldn't have been, I just wasn't going to work that way. It's always been where I need a little bit of space afterwards. And when the pandemic came, did, did you have space from the guys as well? Like, like what was everyone just kind of going in their own corners and just figuring stuff out with their families and, and like just kind of holding on until there was some sort of indicator of, of where things were going to go? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were all told to not leave the house. Right. And, um, I remember it mostly, um, because when it all hit, it was, I think it was March. Right. And we were on the road opening for refused and we were on the West coast and we started to like realize, Oh, this is, this is really getting crazy. And this is serious. And there's not going to be any shows after this. Like we were sort of getting to that point, like getting to that understanding. Like, so we finished that tour and we got home and uh <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't think i saw the guys for weeks you know crazy yeah i saw that you guys did um a kexp uh performance in the rehearsal space is that correct so that's a local studio uh called palace sound that we don't man i wish we rehearsed there <laughs> <laughs> so I was like that's a pretty tight space it's a beautiful spot yeah no yeah, our, I'm like, I'm we like... have a little closet <laughs> rehearsal spot that's just oh yeah garbage, don't we all yeah. <laughs> um well either way that performance was sick Re- remind me of when that actually took place and, and how you guys kind of came to that moment where it's like okay because i know you've done a couple uh, press things remotely and I, I you know I really applaud that where like you just tried to keep some semblance of normalcy or, or maybe even just just trajectory or you know momentum because um, I know that you, you why well, I saw that you're um, you did the amoeba what's in my bag and then that kexp performance and probably a slew of others but um at that point I mean, how did it feel for everyone to get back together in a room and to prepare for that while this thing was still happening? Yeah. Because that was kind of in the heart of the pandemic still, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, again, that's like survival instincts. I think all three of us have that, like, you know, what is it? Inertia or something. You can't yeah. stop. You, A lot of inertia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we we were forced to to stop and then, okay, 
we had these huge plans for our record, right? You know, and you, you're mapping those out like a year in advance and they all mm-hmm. got thrown to the side, you know, just like everyone else. But so how do we, we, you know, we postponed the release of our album for as long as we could without going crazy. And then we eventually did release it during the pandemic and, you know, doing the KXP thing and Amoeba and uh, we also did the live live at the opera house album too and that these are all just ways for us to still feel like a band when when we were when we were forced not to be a band you know like you said at the top of the conversation it's it's almost like uh it's like a it's a default coping mechanism you know it's like you like you said everyone in the band feels that they just they need to do something no matter no matter what no matter how Clearly, you know, Atlas Vending, this record you're insanely proud of, all of these plans surrounding it, only to be kind of like like the rug being pulled out from you and everyone else who had all these plans to get out there to tour, to share their work, and then suddenly everything is altered. It's just like a, it's like a head fuck, you know? Oh, huge. And we absolutely depend on that give and take of, of sharing, you know, going out on the road and sharing what we've made with people and getting that reciprocal feel the energy from people and it was absolutely bizarre not to have that and um yeah i I mean it's hard to explain it's hard to describe to people who um aren't kind of in those shoes where you're you're you know dreaming up something or making something um and then putting it out into the world and uh not having that normal way of kind of gauging its effectiveness or something like that you know there was no we were like huh like there it goes chris chris said it's like we took the record and threw it in a river and just watched it go downstream like you know and i i can totally relate to that it was just uh this feeling that we'd never felt before we weren't able to do it felt like we weren't able to do right by the album or something like that in the way that we're yeah. u- that we're used to. But you know we're we're um, creatures of habit, you know. So it was just a cha- a forced change. must feel like there is some major unfinished business it's warped time in a lot of ways because again you know they're they're it's like like you guys having this record that you worked so hard on and that you're just so ready like you said to share it with people and to kind of there there is that kind of reciprocity between you know the artist and then sharing it with people and then getting getting the feedback or, or playing the show where people are just, you know, freaking out or, or it's like when those things are taken away um, at such a, at such a point in your career, it's like, okay, how do we, how do we get back to that as soon as possible? Only, to, only to acknowledge at the same time that, you know, it's just not, it's just not ever going to be the same, I think, which is also no. weird. And, you know, I, I'm pulling from what you're saying about when, 
you are in those moments of performance or you actually do you know a run of shows and you you have like that very small slice of time where you almost forget yeah and everyone in the crowd also forgets which is kind of a beautiful thing i mean that, that's kind of like the whole point of live music anyways for you to go through the door and just listen to your favorite band and just like lose your shit right um but it almost like has a different meaning these days because there's like this collective consciousness of the pandemic just kind of overhanging and and just just being in the room at all times yeah if anything it's made the importance of live music more clear like to me it was totally it was like this this oh you know i i always i always did this thing i I never questioned why i did it i just did it it was just like i was like i love it so I'll, i'll play in bands and i'll and um and then the pandemic like allowed you to have a really clear focus on what it was offering like what it was bringing to my life uh, what it was doing for mm-hmm. my health and my my social circle my friends my you know it was it's, so it's is integral part of like kind of my ecosystem or whatever and uh so that that was eye opening, you know, because I think you can absolutely like anything else take it for granted, and then I was like, yeah. oh yeah, no, this is, uh, you know, and it, so you know, I just turned forty two, and it's an that's another thing where as you get older, you go, why am I doing this? You know, what what what's making what's making me do this? And uh, I can now, I think, understand it in a way that that it's like uh, what I was mentioning before is that it is like doing something very important for my mind and my kind of soul, if you will, that, that when taken away, uh, you almost don't feel like yourself. I can totally relate to that. I'm 43. So we're, we're basically the same age, but, um, I've kind of come to those questions myself about why am I still doing this? Um, why why do I still feel compelled to create? Why do I still feel compelled to be involved in punk and like hardcore? And, you know, like you said, the pandemic has kind of brought a, a sharper focus to just how integral it is to your well-being and your, the, you know, your your social circles and your, basically, it's it, you realize how much of a direct connection it is to your identity as a person. Mm-hmm. And when that gets ripped away from you, you're, you, don't feel whole you feel a bit askew and just like off kilter and yeah like you said you know you guys are, are creatures of habit right and I think just having such a long career and, and have been doing this for what is it now almost 15 years right yeah it's been a, a minute and and non-stop mind you so when that suddenly gets shifted by circumstances out of your control it's like what the fuck but then <laughs> in the same breath it's like you realize more than ever, just as you did when you were going in the space working on the Weird Nightmare album. It's like you just you have to do this no matter what. Yeah, and I, and now I look now I look at that as like a, an absolute godsend. I go, oh my god! Yeah. So now, so it's funny how this stuff works. I mean, it just in my scenario, it's not. I'm not. I'm not trying to paint it too, you know, too much silver lining here. But for me, sure. it was this thing I felt compelled to do that has now turned into 
an actual record and you know get now i get to tour with archers of loaf uh, uh, and and, and and go do that and i'm making you know i'm smack in the middle of making a new weird nightmare record so it's like it's turned into a thing that i never thought it would um so i love that yeah that shitty situation was turned into something that i'm really like really excited about so i mean that's the only way to to uh the, that's the only way i want to look at that time in my life <laughs> it's cool because it also shows that you have full ability and capability to um to create new creative pathways that sort of expand your world as as a musician and a creative and an artist and i think that's what's really it's so powerful right because even though weird nightmare is just a direct extension of your creative tendencies it's cool how here we are in 2023 and you just came off of a run with archers and like you said, you're you're smack in the middle of a new record, so it's like it suddenly became this extended arm of your existence mm-hmm. um, as a songwriter, as a musician. That surely would not have happened because uh, because Mets would have been on the road, and I just would have said right. I would have put on the back burner again. And so in that way, it's I don't know one of those serendipitous things, just one of those things that just worked out that way. But um, yeah, yeah, what can I say? When you were making it, was Sub Pop aware that you had this kind of sort of brewing, you know, low key, or or no. is this something that you made and you finished and you're like, hey guys, like check it out, like yeah, no, no one, no one heard it, knew <laughs> about it, or even Chris and Hayden didn't hear it. Uh, it really? Was, yeah. Did they know that you were going in the studio on your own? Like, did they have any idea that you were still like grinding? I think. I had told them after a practice before I dove into it before I was like, you know what? I got a bunch of old songs that, you know, were initially, you know, written to be met songs that didn't happen a couple of them at least. And then I think I'm going to finish those. And they were both like, cool. Yeah. Right on. Do that. You should do that. Yeah. And, and so they knew that I wanted to do that, but I, there was no communication really about it because I, the whole time when I was making it, I was questioning, like, do I, you know, do I like this? Do I want this to be her? <laughs> you know, it was more of like an <laughs> exercise in, in will. I was like, and I was at a point where I'm going to say yes to everything. Like, I was just like, no I more excuses. And I'm like, and, you know, the MO of that record was to make it sugary and to make like the choruses like, the Tom Petty thing, like, don't bore us, get to the chorus. I wanted to have, like, a hooky thing every 30 seconds. I wanted, you know, just totally different than what I'm used to doing. And so during the making of it, I had all kinds of self-doubt. I was just like, you know, I don't know. And I kept pushing Hmm. through. And at the end of it had the, I don't know, audacity, I guess, or the, I don't know what it was, but I was just feeling maybe overly confident i sent it to the folks at sub pop and uh they were you know poneman uh jonathan who's the owner 
he was one of the first ones to get back to me. He was just like really excited about it. And, um, <laughs> you know, that was, just felt amazing. He's just like, I'm so glad you did this and that you made this and you and that you showed it to us. And, um, yeah, but you know, that's another story. Like I can go all day about how, you know, the folks at Sub Pop are just on another level as far as just being supportive. And, um, you know, they, they've, they've had Metz's back in a really honest to goodness way. Like, you know, letting us do our thing, um, in a way that I don't think I, I'd never anticipated meeting people like that or, or getting to work with them. It's cool to see that from afar, you know, cause even, even, even though, um, you know, I, I don't know the inner workings of your relationship with them. It's very clear that there's a real synchronicity in terms of their support for what you guys are creating, uh, their support for what you've created with weird nightmare. And I, I love how it's been a longstanding relationship. I mean, they've, been there for you guys since 2012 i mean so we're, yeah. we're now we're past 10 years of of working together right yeah and from what i can tell i mean that's not that's not the usual um relationship between a band and a and a label like i think it's pretty cutthroat in a lot of places like if you don't you don't hit the numbers you're you're done kind of thing and th- right. that's what i was getting at is that they i feel like uh, they believe in in the three of us and what we're doing and um at least that's the vibe we get from them so that that feels pretty great it kind of speaks to what we were saying about putting stuff out there and then getting a response and i think it's not much different when it's even with a label that you're working with when they clearly get it and Mm -hmm. they see the vision and they see and feel the thing that it is that you you're, you're putting out there, it resonates with them to a point where they're going to just want to keep supporting what it is you're making as an artist. And I, yeah, that I think that's very rare. And I think it's a really special uh, relationship to have with, especially, you know, such a label. I mean, it's just, it's just rad to have them at your side um, mm-hmm. and for them to also support weird nightmare, which w- kind of came out of, something totally unexpected and they're like no this is great like let's 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 make an album yeah you know? and you know and it was recorded on a focus right in a in a <laughs> closet like, it, it, like <laughs> it, it was like you know i i got seth to mix it seth manchester who mixed atlas fending he he mixed it but my recordings were you know intentionally lo-fi, lo-fi. and mm-hmm. blown out yeah. and and that's because that's kind of that's how I like it. But it's also, you know, I'm not a professional engineer, so it was a combination of like fumbling my way through it, but also having, you know, this love of of distortion and and things like sounding a certain way. But yeah, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people would have been like, well, kill cool. those are cool demos. So then let's talk about doing a proper album. But no, they're like, oh no, right. I love it. <laughs> and yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So they they got that as well. They understood that that was like an intentional choice. Right. Like the, the capture right then and there is, is what it was supposed to be. And yeah. then, yeah. you know, to, to get it professionally mixed, just kind of probably gelled it all together. And, and then the result is this great record, which I've, I've honestly been listening to quite a bit on repeat, especially these past couple of weeks, knowing that we were going to talk, but also just because I think it's a great album. And to be honest with you, I put it on when I go running and it right just, it, it's just, it, you know, 
the sequencing of the album, the production of the album. Um, the, the, I mean, the song. I mean, I gotta give you props for your songwriting, man. Like you, you know, you're you're an amazing songwriter, and and I think this. I mean, the 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 the, the Mets albums are amazing, but of course, Weird Nightmares approach it's a little bit different like you kind of like you said you want it to be more sugary and a little bit more poppy and all this stuff um it still has the, your signature sound but in terms of songwriting and i love that you mentioned tom petty you know don't bore us get to the chorus there's an aspect of songwriting awareness i guess you know in terms of your choices and, and how you structure these songs i mean i was going to ask you where does that come from in terms of that awareness of songwriting like who who are some of the musicians that you've kind of taken to over the years that has given you um i don't know i, I don't want to say like the roadmap but but yeah. kind of yeah. kind of influenced you to write the record you wrote i mean i'm a i'm a record collector and used to spend you know way too much time and money on doing that i've chilled it out recently since having <laughs> having a a kid, but, um, I just, I don't know. I have a wide love of so many types of music, but I think the, this sort of, um, embracing of, of traditional, if you will, or songwriting, um, structures and things like that was a really fun experiment. And it was because Mets, uh, purposefully does like the opposite yeah, I mean, I mean, in some ways, right. you know, compared to a lot of underground music, uh, we're we're quite structured and quite traditional in Mets, but you know what I mean. Like, it's like we're not, totally. it's not A B A B C um, mm -hmm. all the time. Sometimes we go there, and that's almost that seems slightly subversive to do in punk. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> point being is like I I think. I was leaning into the stuff that I grew up on, which is, you know, boring to say, but just, you know, British Invasion, Beatles, Kings. Yeah, that, yeah. That's like, I have such a love of that. And um, I guess it's, you know, it's stuff like that I was raised on. My, my folks weren't big music heads, but they still had the good stuff. Like it was, it was... Um, the Beatles and the Stones and the Beach Boys and the... Uh, the band and and so there's just that stuff was like ingrained at a young age and then I went further with it with my record collecting mania so it was it was that stuff had always been in my brain and and stuff that I appreciated and really admired and I just tapped into it a little bit for for these songs yeah, I love that, and and it, it makes sense. It, I can see the the correlation, but I I love that it it has again that very distinguishable feel to everything, you know. But it's almost like being in that that frame of mind and referencing those types of bands, but but applying it to your own or applying songwriting in your own way to this to this kind of vibe that you've created. And I was gonna say, like, yeah, there there is almost a feeling of nostalgia while listening to these songs it's like it's weird it's it sounds both like current but also gives me a feeling of nostalgia as well and it was like a it was like i said before it's like this thing of trying to do it subconsciously almost like trying not yeah. to think and so mm -hmm. things just sort of flood out and i don't i don't think i'm really capable of that like that would be some sort of 
miracle if someone could actually do that because you're <laughs> you know Pete, we're all self-aware but i tried to just n not overthink the process so that i so yeah i think there's a pretty interesting amount of mats and a pretty interesting amount of this new side of me that i guess it's an old side of me really <laughs> tracks with some features so you, you have bully on one of them and then uh is it chad vengal uh van galen van galen how did that come about and what when did you arrive to thinking that you you needed to reach out to them like what's your relationship with those those artists well they're friends and people i've met uh on the road and uh people i just look up to and appreciate and um it came late in the process, just trying to be like, you know, for the song Wrecked that Alicia from Bully sings on. Right. It was very much like the last song that I was finishing up and I was unsure of it and wasn't completely satisfied. Like I was like, something's missing. I don't know if I like this. And with a lot of this stuff, it was just a gut feeling. I, I just, it's not like I even thought of anyone else. It was just immediately... Ah, Alicia's voice would would fit perfectly here, <laughs> and thankfully she was totally game. And like, you know, I think she sent it back in a couple days. Like it was like, oh my god, yeah, it was awesome. Like totally perfect. And um, I chopped it up a little, but it was so easy, and and she was really excited about it. So like that, just one of those. The the whole process of the record was about a sort of getting like getting into your um beyond your comfort zone. So me asking someone to let alone like listen to the song would be nerve wracking, but also to have the nerve to say, do you want to be like on the track? Um, <laughs> I was just doing, I was, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I was doing all the, that kind of stuff and uh, just throwing caution to the wind. And uh, same with Chad. He's a guy that I don't know how well he known he is uh, in the world, but in Canada, he's just like, you know, really adored, and he's this kind of mad scientist type guy. And um, it was in that track. It was a spot where, like, traditionally you'd put a guitar solo, and I had done a little bit of a guitar solo thing, and I was like, eh, I don't know about that. And I sent it to him. I said, "What do you think? Like, what do you want to put something in this spot?" And he's like, "Yep," <laughs> and he sent back. <laughs> a very chad response musically it was like uh what did he use he used like two instruments that i had never heard of in my life it was like the chinese harp and a 
and something else, uh, forgetting the name of, that they sound totally otherworldly, like in the context of a of a rock song. And, uh, you know, just, I had to laugh. I was just like, that's the, the most Chad thing I've ever, I've ever witnessed is him sending a track of like, I don't think many people in indie rock or whatever would even have those instruments, but he's a type of guy who's like, he made a, he made a drum machine from scratch and he did like, he's hmm. just one of these kind of guys. And, uh, it was a thrill to, that he wanted to be a part of this, this project. Amazing. I, I love that you had an existing relationship with them. It almost makes it all the sweeter to include friends on a project that um, became what it was. And that, that's awesome that they're both a part of it. This record also, to me, it almost feels like a soundtrack to an entire film. I feel like it could be like the, op- like any, pick a song, any song from the record and you could put it you know, for the opening scene of a movie, but also like the end credits of a movie or the the the, the montage in the middle of the movie. Um, Let's get that word out there about this because uh, I would love for that to happen. Well, it's yet to happen. absolutely. Well, I mean, I don't see how it won't happen. I just I I was gonna be like. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, where where is all the licensing? Because I think it's about <laughs> it's about to, to hit your future. But um, what kind of movie are you picturing here? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like um, I just think of John Hughes or something. Yeah. You know? OK, now we're talking. <laughs> but um, but, you know, speaking of movies and films, I, I know that you're also actually composing. I wanted to shift gears really quickly and just kind of touch on uh, this aspect of your your songwriting and your creativity. Um, let's talk about Edkins Walsh. Is is that still is that still happening? Are you guys still collaborating together? We are. Yeah. Um, that Tell been... everyone about about what what that is. Edkins Walsh music. It is me and my friend, uh, dear friend Graham Walsh, who's known from being a great producer and engineer, but also uh, being in a band called Holy Fuck uh, from Toronto. And um, he and I met while working on the first Mets record in 2011. And we've been close ever since. And um, we are kind of like studio rats. And, (laughs) you know, the place where... We shot the KXP session with Mets. That studio palace is where we kind of hole up. Him and I will go in there with nothing planned and and just create and try to to make something that we both like. And that has turned into us doing some scoring for film. And also, um, I don't know if this is really known yet, but we have a we've made a record together that is going to come out pretty soon uh under the name noble rot so this is a band oh nice uh this started it's it's really a studio project with him and i but um yeah it's been just another outlet to stay busy and have fun really it's uh his approach is really inspiring and his kind of skill set is very different than mine so i find that our mix like when we get together it's always kind of a surprise what comes out is there kind of a routine that you have with the balance between family mets weird nightmare and uh your your collaboration with with um 
remind me of his name again oh graham graham walsh graham graham right with graham like like you know obviously it's it's so it's so great to have so many outlets how how do you build it into your your schedule or is is there kind of a, a structure or is it kind of just where the wind takes you type of thing it's honestly more random yeah it's like mm. it's um when people are available it's it's, it, it's that kind of thing you know if you know Mets is the the most consistent and full-time project that I have and then I work everything else around that and um yeah it's it's worked out it's 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 a lot but like I said when we first started talking I I'm I'm not happy unless I have like maybe like debatably too many things on the go. That's kind of where I'm that's where I feel comfortable if if there's not enough things to look forward to or to work on and stuff, I get a little bit uh I don't know. get a little bit uh, antsy or something. So uh, yeah, it hasn't been I mean it, they obviously have to there's a juggling act there and stuff, but you know, it works out. How has it been, you know, creating sort of a, a work-life balance between, you know, being at home with, you know, your your kid and touring and all that? Like, how do you balance the um, the sort of logistics of all that? How has it been over the years for you? It's incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah. I think anyone would say the same. Like, if you're uh, trying to be a good dad and a good husband and also be a touring musician. It's like, and I, you know, and a touring musician that can't, you know, um, financially cannot, we, we cannot bring our kids with us or our families with us as some big bands do. So it is, it's, to, it's about, you know, being away, uh, for long periods of time. And so it, it is really emotionally tough for everyone involved. And I don't, think I would do it uh if if it wasn't for my wife being supportive of that that like the band's choice to do that I can't paint it uh it's not this dreamy thing it's a lot it's a you know it's a, a lot of work it's pretty grueling it's for, for everyone who knows you know they know <laughs> <laughs> very very true being in 2023 um, and, and like kind of reflecting on a decade plus of doing all of this, where would you ideally want to see things go in terms of, you know, what's ahead for Weird Nightmare? What's ahead for Mets? What's ahead for your, you know, your, your composing uh, career? Like, like what's, what's sort of your goal for, for this coming year? It's a great question. You know, I, I, I've never had a long-term plan. Um, I believe deeply that if you put the work in and do your best, like put your best work forward and, and do it for the right reasons, that good things will happen. So far, that's been true, you know? It's like, I don't, I've never had career ambition like this or an end game. It's just been about doing the work like doing and enjoying, you know, when I say work, it makes it sound like it's a chore. It's not, it's, it's the, it is the joy of it all is to, is to be able to spend time making music is, is like a gift. It's like a, an absolute privilege. 
And so if I can continue to do that, uh, I feel like that's the success in it all, really. Um, that is probably a big reason why things are the way they are for you and for Mets because it, it's it's really about the like and I said this earlier in the conversation like like this level of f- full immersion. There's no like long term plan. It's more so about what you create and when it feels right to create it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not to say that I think everyone wants their their project to succeed or be heard by as many people as possible. And I'm no different. Like that's absolutely true in my case. Like I do, I wish, um, you know, more people had heard, you know, the last Mets record or, or whatever. I'm like, sure. Yeah. But, um, I don't think it is, it hasn't so far, you know, changed our, our way of approaching, how to how to create and work together and stuff like we've stayed pretty true to that and uh for 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 better or for worse and um i think it's about i I mean i i can be honest about that you know it's like it's like it's not like i want to be um living on the the fringes of music that's not intentional it's just kind of like who the three of us are who i am in a musical sense, like that's just honestly what we're compelled to do. So it's like, you know, I don't know if you can really change that. That's kind of just what, what I've been, where my, my passions lie, I guess. You kind of approach things with this, not ease, but there, there's, there's, there's like, um, there's a flow where you're not trying to force anything. It just, it comes out the way it comes out and your expression is, your expression it's not like you're trying to get in a room with a bunch of other co-writers and to make like a a, a pop hit you know it it, it seems yet. to be <laughs> not yet <laughs> that'll be 2024 but um but you know in in terms of what the three of you guys and Mets have together and what you create together yeah I mean that that rawness that just level of sound that wall of noise like that's the thing you know that's what happens when Mets gets in a room together and makes music and yeah I I wouldn't want you to change anything about that either um yeah I've I've, I embrace that like I I and I I really embrace that now too like with the three of us just where we are, you know, in our personal lives and stuff. It's like, I do look at it as a, 
as this thing I feel really lucky to have. And, um, and we, I think you treat it like you kind of, you kind of treat it in a way, I don't know, not kid gloves, you know, but like, I want to take care of it. (laughs) I want to make sure that everyone is happy and that we can continue to do it as long as, you know, as long as we love it. Um, because you can, can definitely take things for granted and let things kind of get out of control. And Lord knows in, in this industry, uh, it's just hard as hell to stay afloat in any way, shape or form, you know? So, so yeah, you gotta be, gotta love it. And, and like, love the people you do it with 100 percent um so you said you said you're in the middle of working on more weird nightmare material um i think you might have mentioned that you're also working on more mets material can you can you expand on that a little bit oh yeah i mean so the mets record is the furthest along it's Hmm. it's close getting really close just a little bit of tracking left and then mixing and mastering so that will be the first thing that sees the light of day. And then I've just kind of started with a new batch of Weird Nightmare songs that I'm really excited about too. So there things are moving. And the Noble Rot record with Graham is going to be out in like a month or something. There'll be a single from that nice. soon, soonish. So yeah, yeah, lots of stuff on the go and... um but the Mets one is like closest to completion. That's exciting. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> so much going on. And speaking of singles, um, I wanted to talk about "Come On Down" with with Joe from Idols, which is also a fucking killer track. When did that come about exactly? Because I know that you guys toured together in 2019, and then of course the pre-pandemic, right? So like, you're with these guys, you've formed a relationship with them. When did this come about, and and how did you facilitate it? Yeah, what, what's the background of this this song? That, so that track was a was a intended for Atlas Vending. It was recorded ah. during those sessions and didn't make the record. And for me, the last thing that I do with Matt's songs is the vocal. So we never got around to it, and I was kind of might have been around the time when I had just done, you know, the, the collaborations with Alicia and, mm. and, uh, Chad and was really stoked on and Graham, you know, it was like, I was really after having this insular, very, very insular band in, in Mets for 10 years or more, we didn't, you know, we would not work dream of working with anyone else it was like you know even when we when we did a record with albini that was like the first time we brought someone into the equation really right that was that was gonna have their sonic fingerprints on it we were very precious about it but my take on that changed and this and and uh we were both just we were all just like yeah we like that track. That's a good, it's a good track. And it's a, and I had mapped out all the vocals and everything. I just hadn't like written the lyrics for it and everything. So it was really close. Like the, it was all there, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to dive back into it. I wanted to keep moving forward with new stuff. And so we kind of hail married it over to Joe who, you know, is a guy who we, 
you know, the fu- it's funny. It's the funny to look back on the like, years ago, Bristol, you know, idols, <laughs> no one heard of them opening for Mets. And then <laughs> they returned the favor many years later. We're opening for them and we're playing Alexandra, Alexandria Palace in front of 10,000 of their <laughs> adoring fans. You know, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're just sweetheart guys, wonderful people. And um, so we chucked the song over to Joe and he was game and he sent us back his vocal. And we went from there. So it was like just, again, um, instead of saying no to the idea, just throwing it out there into the universe and seeing what happens. And um, I'm glad we did. I think that, that, that song, you know, made some people happy. We're proud of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I love the theme of, of just kind of like the, the saying yes to things or being open to things that you otherwise wouldn't have been maybe in the past where creating the, the weird nightmare stuff and then getting, um, getting your friends in on that. I like how that sort of translated to Mets territory where you had this, this extra song from Atlas Vending and you're like, well, why don't, why don't we just see what happens? Let's, let's share it. Let's share it with Joe and, and like, let's make it, let's make it something that it wasn't intended to be at first, but now it just kind of takes on a whole other identity by involving other people. And, um, it's kind of cool how doing that can kind of alter the entire feel of, of, of a track, especially one that you were kind of sitting with for a minute and weren't sure like what to do with it. And then suddenly it just became this, this other thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you nailed it. it it's this thing. It's like, it was a little stale for, mm. I, I was like, I don't, I don't want to, ju- I don't want to jump in the vocal booth. Uh, it's just been with us too long. So and then Joe, of course, takes it from a completely different angle than I would have, and it's fresh again. And uh, yeah. yeah, all three of us were were really into that kind of idea at that point. It was like a breath of fresh air. So, so and you know, just fun, <laughs> like just doing fun stuff is important every now and again. To what to a concept! Not... Yeah, right. <laughs> is music supposed to be fun? I know, and it's funny because I. I as I have become older myself, you know, at 43, um, and my, my motivations and sort of what, what I started kind of doing this whole thing for, and I, I believe that it's always been a coping mechanism for me as well, just in terms of the need to create this stuff, but to, but to create a very specific sound, you know, to, to create a very specific point of view through music. And, um, I think my younger, you know, angsty self was definitely came at it from a very much more like myopic vision of just like anger and sadness and emotion and all this stuff. And I think even as as we become older, we're we're still, of course, tapping into those emotions. We're tapping into those things. But I think one thing that I realized, and this was right before the pandemic hit, when when Drums Dream was on tour with Daughters. Uh, which was uh, it was an amazing tour. It was it was whatever four or five weeks in Europe or something, and I came off of that tour feeling really depleted. And what I realized is that was my older self taking on sort of this mindset that I had when I was you know eighteen or nineteen years old, and 
I kind of reflected on that like during the pandemic, just as far as like my my own because this is a thing that you're supposed you're supposed to be doing to like make you feel better. And for some reason, I just came off of that tour just feeling shittier. And so now I'm at a place where, you know, we, we still play very like loud, heavy music, but I'm trying to come at it from a place of not lightness, but but you know, I I want to have a certain amount of fun doing it. I mean, of course, like you said, you know, this isn't when you say work, it's not supposed to be a chore, which it mm-hmm. never is for me either. But it's I'm just kind of reflecting on my own relationship with this type of music. You know, like you said, yeah. like, like it, it, it's like a coping mechanism, but it's also like it brings you in a particular headspace. And I, I, I think that the headspace that I was in pre pandemic on tour, it, I realized that it actually wasn't good for me. And now I have a much different well, I have a, I have a more. I think I've adjusted my my relationship with it. Um, I think you have to. Yeah, I, I think because you, you're yeah. you're a different person than you were when you started it, right? It's like yeah. if you don't if you don't change your your approach or even what it means or like make sense of what it all means right. to you, then you can't enjoy it. Like I know for me too. It's like when when I see the guys it's important that, like I said, that we're all in a good place and that we're excited and we're happy. And if we're not, um, which happens all the time, um, because you know, our band is in, in, in many ways, well, it is, it's just full on is a business as well as this, this thing we, um, love and feel a close connection with. So it is a sticky thing that, that you can, absolutely get lost in the weeds in the in the business of it in the stress of it and really start to um hate it you know if you don't check yourself and and remember you know what it is uh that you get from this thing and then why you're and why you started to do it and um i mean i can totally understand where you're coming from and and how you have to be like hold on hold on you know, <laughs> like, right. And like kind of take stock of where you're at. And, and yeah, if I'm, you know, if I get off a tour and, and, and I'm, I hated the whole, I hated it, you know, then maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. It, it was a weird one for me where it was a real, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a crossroads, but it was, it was a thing where I was kind of confused with how I was feeling coming off of it that, you know, a, a tour that was amazing, you know, it was, it was really good shows. We, we hit tons of places everything went the way it was supposed to. So then when I came back, yeah, that's when I realized where I'm like, I need, I need to, I need to actually make an adjustment here in terms of my relationship with this music. And, um, you know, and it, and it, again, the pandemic, you want to talk about silver linings, you know, I feel like that kind of allowed me to have that space from the band and to kind of reflect on, you know, again, we were talking about this earlier, just to, 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 like why why we're doing it, and uh, yeah, what what it means to you now. Yeah, like you said, you can get lost in the weeds pretty quickly, and then suddenly you're like, what? Like, I don't want to do this. Um, have you ever arrived to a crossroads where you were actually ready to put put it all down, or was this a thing where you're just you were you've been able to kind of refine along the way and just make it kind of a part of your existence without any 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 doubt or inclination to stop 
Yeah, it's a constant it's a constant adjustment mm. because you it has to live it has to live uh within the bigger picture, right? Like it's not the the only part of the picture and I have to remind myself that, you know, my wife is good at reminding me that that there's more there's a lot more than just this thing that you're sort of obsessed with and um yeah, it's about it's balance and I've I think started to be able to to do a better job at that, you know. It's it's a day-to-day thing and it's a, and it's like a constant work in progress where um trying to have a healthy balance uh can be really hard and it absolutely ebbs and flows with like if you're on the road or if you're making a record or you're in the studio all these things trigger different things and um so you know right now i can say no yeah i think i'm (laughs) i'm well adjusted (laughs) and then you know but that's it's different all the time Again, we talked we we talked about the uh, just how much this stuff is a part of our identity, and how how much we've realized that we kind of re- rely on it. Um, because you know, I had a lot of time away from it before I kind of returned to it when when we kind of decided to resurrect this band. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's kind of crazy where now again I'm older but I realize just how much a part of my identity this thing kind of supports you know and I I don't I don't know if that's just like a flaw of ours as like creative people and maybe maybe it's not even it should it shouldn't be considered a flaw you know it's just it's just a trait it's a trait it's yeah yeah it's just like it's 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 just the way we are wired and the way we're built and how we exist and I like to think of it that way to be, I mean, I'm not even joking. I do think, yeah, I do like to think of it that way as, as something that some people, um, need to do this and uh, like it's a necessity. Yeah. And thank God <laughs> you yeah. know, the world would be a terrible place without art and music. And, uh, I'm God it's, it's so it's so true yeah it's so true. I'm glad that people feel compelled to do this and it can be a really self-serving thing and it can also be a really selfless thing and uh so it, it's funny how the, that it almost works simultaneously right it's like it, it, it could be it could be deemed as self-serving but while while doing that and indulging yourself you're actually you're creating something for someone else to also enjoy so it's almost like focus on the creation for the sake of of your needs and not overthinking it too much but then knowing that there's going to be other people out there who the work is going to resonate with yeah you know and and i mean i guess that's just sort of the concept of art in general yeah i think the you you make stuff because you have to and the intention uh, the the intention behind 
I'd say the vast majority of artists is good. I think I think it is like people have good intentions. They want to they want to bring something into the world that didn't exist beforehand. And I still am like truly amazed at that. Like at the, at the idea of like making a record and then that song came out of thin air. I think it still kind of blows my mind and I think it's important that that people take that leap of faith and do those things because um, unlike so many things in this world that are, you know, um, done for reasons of power or money or greed or whatever, I think this is a beautiful thing. And I think it's, uh, can you can make, we've seen it firsthand and and it never gets old when someone says that song helped me through time. That song made me smile. That song I listen to when I go running, whatever. It's always awesome to hear that. It's always amazing. And, and I mean, and amazing is the right term. <laughs> it's not, it, it, you know. it really is. And that's, that's where, you know, you have to check in with yourself when you're the actual person who's creating this stuff you it's almost like you can't put your finger on how it's actually going to affect other people it's like you you can get your you can work with your own instincts and you can work with you know the reaction of you know bandmates or collaborators like you said when you're creating something out of thin air and it's just like it, it's just you're just creating sound and these sounds can have that profound of an effect on someone's life and how they feel and even like, you know, choices they make through how a song either motivates them or compels them to do something or go somewhere or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I, 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 there's countless pathways, you know, but yeah. And then it creates this cycle because we, you and I, you know, and I'm assuming most people, uh, musicians, um, the only reason they do it is because they fell in love with a song or an album or an artist. Right. And then they, they, they got hooked on this, like, you know, contagious, this bug of music, you know, and it's, so it's just this this awesome thing that just keeps propelling itself. And, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it does blow my mind. And I think that's sort of what's, what saves humanity. It's like you, on, on the other side, you have, war and and greed and and you know power hungry people but then you have people who can actually just tap into their own soul and like just make and create and those things they 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 affect other people and that's that's what i like about the um the sort of tie into our conversation earlier about how you know during the pandemic that piece of the equation was missing when you weren't able to be on the floor with with people who wanted to see your band or you weren't able to like feel that energy you know that 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 real like visceral energy between a crowd who is enjoying the music you make and um yeah that that interaction itself like like you said the importance of live music and how how much you realized that it was such a such a huge thing that can be easily taken for granted when suddenly you know you realize it it's just it it could be taken away from you very quickly. It's yeah. Like really and, fucked and, up. The, and, and the power of it is like the power of a live performance of, of that connectivity is stunning, you know, on, on a special 
when it's when it works when it's like magic it, there's nothing like it and we i think we all really realized that when it was when everyone was forced to take a step back so um yeah man people you know go out support local musicians everything it's just like this thing that will bring joy to a lot of people and hopefully just keep propelling itself and and uh getting more people hooked on on making yeah. interesting hooked, cool music hooked on the good shit this episode please consider subscribing and sharing this on social media don't forget to rate and review as well it would mean the world to me you can also make a donation buy a t-shirt or send me a note on instagram at microspy music check out all other episodes at microspymusic.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts thanks for listening